It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, yeah, Willie Nelson opening our fabulous fifth hour. Always try to keep it local with all of our top of the hour. Rejoin music. Willie certainly is that out of uh, Abbott, Texas. He still lives out in Spicewood when he's not in Hawaii. Hey, uh, looks like the Tennessee Titans are indeed going to hire Brian Callahan to be their new head coach. You're saying who? Brian Callahan. He was the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. You did a good job this year when Joe Burrow went down with Jake Browning. He did. Uh, uh, and he's yeah, I think that's why he's getting us, getting some love, and that's that's worthy of him getting a lot more attention. Everybody assumed that offense was rocking because Joe Burrow is a elite quarterback, elite traits, and he is. Um, but what we may have underestimated is the amount of schematic conceptual advantage that offense is giving for him. Nothing against Jake Browning. Jake Browning, I'm sure, is a, a nice young uh, quarterback, um, but he's no Joe Burrow. And yet at times in that system, um, you know, he looked like him <laughs> um, throwing the football for Cincinnati. So I think that may have piqued the interest of some teams around the league looking at Brian Callahan, who's the son of Bill Callahan, just so you know. Yeah, nepotism runs deep in the league. Sure does. About that you gave us that in your random yeah. big numbers. We'll give those numbers later on, but yeah, it runs deep. All right. Uh, so yeah, we're looking at the coaches carousel. Like Brian Callahan in. I do think that gives pause to Amy Adams Strunk, who's the owner of the Baltimore of the uh, Tennessee Titans, when mm-hmm. they fired um, Vrabel. Mike Vrabel left the season over. And somebody asked accurately, "Hey, he's under contract. Why didn't you try to trade him? There would probably be some value and some interest around the league." And she said, no, we wanted to get ahead of our coaching search and make sure we got our top priority. Do we think Brian Callahan was that top priority? Or do we think that the, their top priority said, nah, not going there? I wonder who the top priority was. They well, Dan Quinn interviewed them. twice. So Dan Quinn might have rejected him? Dan Quinn's got to start rejecting these jobs. I think so, too. I think like, he wants the Seattle job, but does Seattle have eyes for Jim Arbaugh? Yeah, if I'm see- – <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing about Seattle. If I'm Seattle, I got to do the research on how Dan Quinn has performed versus Shanahan offenses because if he can't construct a defense that can defend Sean McVay's offense and Mike Shanahan's offense, then I got to go get somebody who can. That's why, honestly, Mike McDonald might be a better choice. If you're looking at defensive minds right now who have recently had the most success versus the Shanahan country, the McShanahan country, and the best offense in the league – if you're Seattle and you got to go against him four times a year, go get the defensive coordinator from Baltimore. Yeah, he's because he's got a game down. plan already against him. Yeah. <laughs> he's shut him down pretty good. Dan Quinn actually, he's been all right versus him. And I like Dan Quinn's system. I like the positionless football aspect of it. I like the multiplicity in the system. I am a fan of Dan Quinn's, but he's not the best DC right now versus the McShanahan schemes. It's Mike McDonald. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I would also say there's the leadership component and the you know the charisma component, which I think Dan Quinn has. He's definitely does. same time. Yeah. You got to have the X's and O's and familiarity with that organization. But you know, I, I'm guessing that Dan Quinn maybe turned down Tennessee. I don't know that. No, no, no. That makes sense. I'm thinking about who who else would have turned it down, though. Yeah, he interviewed twice, and he had a face-to-face. So uh, now Dan Quinn apparently interviewing in Washington with the new ownership group there, and he's going to talk to Seattle again. So we'll keep an eye on Dan Quinn. 
Uh, but I think you're right about the Shanahan thing. He's got to be able to – you're going to play Shanahan and McVay twice a year. Come on, man. So you've got to have someone who's a defensive mind uh, who can deal with that. And I'll say this about Dan Quinn, I, and I've said this in the debate about Dak Prescott because we all know it's Jerry Jones, but really we've got to have these debates. You know, three straight playoff week uh, seasons, Dak Prescott's been bad. One straight playoff run, Dan Quinn's been bad. Dan Quinn's defense against the 49ers the previous two Januaries gave you every chance to win the game. Gave you a chance to win. They played well. They held them to, what, 19 points Mm -hmm. and 24, 20 points or something. So the defense wasn't the problem. This year the defense was terrible, and Dak was terrible, until the game was over and he padded a bunch of stats. But, um, you know, this year they didn't have any linebackers. And I read a story yesterday, Rod. It's amazing to me that if if you just remove the names, if you read stories about the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys, it's the same team. Because the Bills were talking about how, how one of the reasons they lost and they couldn't stop the run game of the, uh, the Chiefs and having a hard time with Travis Kelsey is they were down to one healthy linebacker in that mm-hmm. game. And they started to have to use DBs to try to, 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 to supplement. And the one linebacker was A.J. Klein, who was, was on the street a week ago. He was pl- making vacation plans. He and his he wife had to cancel a vacation they had yeah. planned for him to come back. And he was out there trying to make plays. So, but this goes to the Cowboys, who didn't have enough healthy linebackers. And so they're running six DBs against the Packers. It's, it's amazing how these two organizations have these two quarterbacks who are really good in the regular season, can't get over the hump, uh, in Josh Allen and uh, in Dak Prescott. They both have these big balloon payments coming that are going to be huge cap hits this year. So the teams are trying to figure it out. They have coaches who, is Sean McDermott for real? Or, I mean, is it time to move on? What about Mike McCarthy? And, you know, and they just can't get over the hump in their, in their conference. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar. And they both have cap issues now. They do. Cap yeah. issues. Yeah, no, you're right about the, both teams lost at home. <laughs> Which, yeah, they uh, were the two seed. The only two, yeah, two seeds end up losing at home. No, you're right about that. I think for. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My only argument for that, because you're right, both of those teams, those, those linebacker shoots hit them hard. And I, I saw, Buffalo I did win to, a playoff game, by the way. Yeah, they did. But I talked yesterday about you go look at the teams that are remaining, and they've all invested in linebacker, almost disproportionately more than other teams have invested. Uh, you know, we have Baltimore traded. For a linebacker, Remember, it, 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 there was a big Rokon Smith. And 100%. Everybody, everybody thought that was like, man, that's a that's a strange trade. Why would they give up so much? Well, now we see why, right? And obviously drafting Patrick Queen. You go look at the uh, the Forty ers Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Hell, even the Lions invested Jack Campbell, the young linebacker they drafted early on in the draft. He's starting for making plays. So teams have actually invested and give up to the Cowboys. The Cowboys did invest in line, but they drafted Demarvin Overshaw in the third round. He ends up getting hurt. Leighton Vanderesh ends up getting hurt. But when you are in the middle of the season and those injuries are starting to pile up at one position, that's when you need a GM to have the, the, the foresight to be, able to, to, to be able to project down the line, all right, listen, we may end up in this position playing these teams. What are we lacking that is going to help us, that's going to keep us from, from being able to overcome that hurdle? Um, linebacker play. Hell, the Cowboys knew they had linebacker issues when, midseason? Yeah, when Leighton Vanderash got hurt Leighton on top Vanderish of the overshone. We knew that was the case. Did they make any moves? Yeah, I don't Try think they addressed linebacker or running back. Yeah, I mean, uh, before the trade deadline. And the same thing with I, I, I don't know the bill. I don't follow the bills closely, so maybe they made some moves. I'm not sure, uh, but obviously the moves they made were inadequate. 
And I just think when that's the reason that these teams are o- they're overly investing in linebacker, not only because it's an important position, even though it's not a premium position, um, but also, man, it, that's your counter. When, when you built, when you constructed your, uh, your defense to basically defend these spread passing offenses, that's great. Most, most, uh, most defenses are built and constructed that way these days because you cannot allow teams to just be able to throw the football against you. So you, can, you build it and construct your front to be able to apply pressure and your coverage packages for your secondary. But the counter for when you are limiting a team via the passing game, when your pass defense actually is effective, is just to run power football at you right downhill. And usually to defend the pass and to defend the run, you're constructing your defenses two different ways. And that's how they get you. Either you're gonna, you can make us one-dimensional if you want to stop us from running the football, but you're probably going to be a little bit susceptible to the pass. And look at the 49ers, right? The 49ers were great at stopping the run and creating pressure on Lamar Jackson. But what did Lamar Jackson do? By a little bit of time, I'm going to kill your DBs. Yeah, down the field. Down the field. They can't cover because the salary cap is only going to allow you to structure and build your roster one way. You can't invest highly in both the front and the coverage. And I think for, for a lot of teams these days, you know, you've got to make that choice. It's going to be front of coverage, and they're choosing the front. So I, I, and even look at Dan Quinn. The way Dan Quinn constructed defense was to defend the pass and makes them susceptible to the run. Yeah. And, and both. They and, drafted uh, Mozzie Smith to try to help with that, but it hasn't helped much. Yeah. And, you know, I was reading a story about Mozzie Smith over the weekend, which is concerning, that they drafted Mozzie Smith for his power, and then they brought him in and they asked him to lose a bunch of weight, which was weird. I didn't understand that, 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 that he lost like 25 pounds or 20 pounds when he got here, and he's not as strong. And it's he like, did. well, duh. I mean, that, that thought, we thought that's why he drafted him, was to be more, more stout at the point of attack with, with Jonathan Hankins. Hmm. And, you know, he wasn't. And, you know – uh, the, you know, the already Cowboys insiders wondering if this is the next Taco Charlton, right, out of Michigan that you took oh. in the first round that just didn't Ooh. didn't have it. That's brutal. Uh, that is brutal. But it feels like they're changing his body to not be what he was because what he was at Michigan was just a point of attack powerhouse who you couldn't move. Mm-hmm. You couldn't move him. And I thought that's what they – then they had him come in and you're trying to get him to lose weight and keep the – I don't know. Either way, uh, he's a rookie, so uh, there's time. Yeah, but that's why they drafted him because they were, they were aware of their weakness, which was – we can't defend the run very well because we're constructed to stop the pass. So we drafted Mozzie Smith. They drafted the linebacker, Marvion Overshone. They, they, they knew these holes existed. Took another tight end? Yeah, they knew these holes existed, but like I said, they've been inadequate upgrades for them. Well, can I read this to you? Because, you know, as we move forward through Championship Sunday into Super Bowl Sunday and beyond, then it's all about the draft, right? It's all about combines and oh, yeah. senior bowl. And this is where we talk about general managers and true general managers. I mean, I'm assuming Cowboys know this. But Jim Nagy is the director of the Senior Bowl. Yep. Right? And he had a tweet over the weekend that I think he bears mentioning, and it's a good conversation. And it, it combines college and pro football. Uh, Jim Nagy on Saturday tweeted, nobody's talking about it because few truly track later round prospects. But the combination of NIL money – widespread use of extra COVID year and smallest junior class in over a decade completely wiped out our depth in this year's NFL draft. Uh, by late December, our board fell apart um, in rounds five through seven. Teams will either be trading away their day three picks to preserve value or selecting players from their free agent side board in April. So essentially he's saying that yeah. the, the, the free market <laughs> is going to hurt the draft in the back end of the, of the, uh, fourth, of the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. Yeah, but he's right about that. That, but it, by the way, that's been happening for years now. That's just that's not just this the this year. Um, that started back in I want to say like 2018. This starts because around that time, I believe that's when I go back and and create the timeline. The NFL changes their uh, grading policy 
to give the uh, give all the prospects their draft grades. Remember, they put their name in to see what their draft evaluation and grade will be. The NFL changed their policy from first, from what it used to be to three grades. You get three grades: first, second round, or go back to school. Or go back to school. Well, and, and I think I think there it, certainly is an NIL component to it. No, too. no, it's, it's it's like I said, it's a timeline to it. That was the first one. The second thing that happened was, first of all, the transfer portal. <laughs> For sure, and the transfer portal didn't even exist before. So the transfer portal was the second thing that happens on top of that NIL. Uh, sorry, the NFL changing their grading policy. So you get the transfer portal. That means you have more movement in college football. You have COVID. That's your extra year. Yep. They get the extra year. And then you also end up getting NIL, which was happening the last, what, three years? We're in the third year of NIL? Yep. So there you go. That's your free market that you're talking about, NIL. So that's now it's more incentive to stay. So I got, I, got, I got more eligibility to stay, and I got more incentive to stay. And the NFL is saying you should stay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you right. should not come out. Well, so it's just all these other influences. And now you have the 30-day rule, too, with the transfer portal. So it's just it's a lot. And now you have all the juniors that are deciding, you know what? I'm going to stay and make some NIL money. Right. Uh, and it, it will impact this April maybe more oh, than ever before. Yeah. Well, and you can think about it with, with a couple of Longhorns, right? Jade Barron and Alfred Collins. In Boom. previous years, they'd have been gone. Yep. And, and they would probably fourth round pick, fourth, fifth, sixth round, round pick, and that's good value, right? Alfred Collins in the fifth or sixth round is a developmental player. That's good. Jade Great Barron. value. Well, now those guys are going to come back and be able to make some nil money, mm-hmm. try to improve their draft stock. But as he's saying, we're trying to put together a roster for the Senior Bowl, and we had those guys that were invited, and now they're not coming yep. because they're going back to school, and that's happening all over the place. It, it, it will tell you, will devalue the the. the you know, the importance of your fifth and sixth and seventh round picks uh, because there's just not going to be a lot of talent there because it's getting paid to play in college. It's yes. making a little bit of money to play in college totally and, and develop their uh, – and which is a good thing. I think it's good for it's the player. It's a great thing. And, it, you know, but it will, as you, you know, shrewd draft evaluators will look at this and say, man, you know, holding on to that fifth or sixth round pick might not be that valuable. We, you know, yeah. we, we, need, we need to hit on our early picks, and we may need to trade out of this spot. And another thing that's also adding to this, <laughs> we just broke down the timeline, right? NFL changed their policy. Uh, you got the transfer portal was created. You got NIL becomes the law of the land. COVID gives you got extra year. But remember, they got another extra year, because not extra year, but they had another kind of added uh, bonus as student-athletes in this era because the NCAA, for whatever reason, decided that they were not going to restrict multiple-time transfers. And at first, everybody thought, okay, you get one free transfer without penalty. Now you get multiple yeah. transfers without penalty. Some guys are transferred two, three times, no penalty. You're like, I don't what? Is yeah. there a penalty for this? So yeah. you got the NCAA looking the other way on tr- multiple-time transfers. In addition to some guys are getting – hell, you got a guy that got his ninth year at Miami. What? We talked about that yesterday? Yeah. So, so the ridiculous. guys are getting so much more eligibility, and now you know penalty for movement. And with the NIL, oh, why the hell am I going to go? If Rod B was in this era of uh, NIL being Lord Land and, and going to the NFL to be a fourth-round pick, I'd have tried to get another year at Texas. 100%. I'd have tried. Because what's the difference between me going to the NFL for that fourth year and me going coming back to get NIL money? We're probably getting half a million dollars well, in NIL money. Especially, you know, fourth round's <laughs> one thing. That's, that's, that's early day three. If you're fifth, sixth, or seventh, you're going to fight to make the roster, Rod. Which at least in in college you're guaranteed to have a place to play. Well, in the fourth round you used to be able to be guaranteed yeah. to make a roster. Yeah. Well, this is a, this would tell you that uh, first, second, anymore. third, and fourth are going to be very valuable picks this year. Maybe the back end not as much. And and look, I can add add more to the Longhorns. I've read Matt Miller, the NFL draft scout from ESPN, talking about how Andrew Makuba, Jabbar Muhammad, Trey Moore. All are on their draft board. I mean, they're mm-hmm. looking at them on the top 100 picks, top 125 picks. Those guys would have been drafted on day three. Yep. But instead, they're coming to play at Texas. And so this is why Texas might be preseason number one or two next year. 
because so many of their portal guys are already on NFL draft boards, mm-hmm. and they would be, you know, day day three picks in the National Football League, and instead in this day and age they're going to play at Texas. So it gives you talent who continue to be developed because all those guys, Makuba, Muhammad, Jade Barron, Trey Moore, um, gosh, even, even Isaiah Bond said it. I want to improve my draft stock. That's mm-hmm. why I'm coming to Texas, just like A.D. Mitchell did when he came from Georgia. I want – this is my corporation. I need to get myself into the higher rounds of the draft, and I can do that at Texas. All these guys are coming, and that, t- that makes you very talented. It also makes the day three of the NFL draft not nearly as talented because Texas is just one example, and I just mentioned five or six players. Well, and also it affects value in the NFL because these guys used to come out younger. Yes. Now they're coming out older. Not only older, coming out much older. Talking about one or two more years in college some of these guys are spending because of the COVID year mm-hmm. and the extra year of eligibility. So, that, that trust me, the NFL scouts, they think about that. Rather you're getting a player when he's 20, about to turn 21 or, or 21 years old, as opposed to 23 years old, getting that second contract. Hell, you get it when you're 28 if you came into the league at 23 around that time if you're a first-round pick, as opposed to getting that second contract at 25. Like, that's a, those are big differences, man. Well, so, the NFL, as you know, the NFL shelf life ain't that long anyway yeah, for any player. No. How about this little factoid? 54 underclassmen declared for the uh, NFL draft this season. In 2018, guys, it was 106. Yep. You basically cut that number in half. Yeah, and that will impact NFL draft boards big. And because, look, they rank every player, right? Every player gets a grade. Yeah, yeah. And as Jim Nagy said in his tweet, there's, you're either going to be trading out of those picks, or, but someone's going to want to take them. Or you're going to be drafting guys who are on your free agent board in the sixth round. These are these are you've graded them as, as priority free agents or free agents. That's who's left because so many guys are back playing college football who would normally be filling those roles. Because you, you I mean you, we talk about how in the first round most teams will have 20, 23 players graded as a first round pick. Mm-hmm. There are 32 picks, yeah. but there's only 20 or 23 first round grades. That that's every round, right? So now yeah. you get down to the fifth or sixth round, and you're like, oh man. But I, I would say if a guy like Harbaugh leaves, he would be at a huge advantage because uh, he would actually probably have better evaluations yes. on some of these prospects who are lower-tier prospects, late-round prospects than some of the other NFL evaluators because they won't go that deep yeah. in their evaluations. They'll go pretty deep, but, man, to him to know personal knowledge and to have scouted against these teams and have recruited these kids and that kind of stuff, that's a huge advantage for probably about two years if he gets that head coaching job. Well, and I would say this for NFL teams, too. If I'm a GM, I'm thinking, you know what, if this doesn't change at the college level, this is going to be an ongoing thing. Oh, and, again, is. they all know it, but – Man, I, I, I'm, why am I being so, you know, coveting of these late-round picks? I'm going to trade up and go get some upper picks if I can. Oh, or trade those for proving commodities. That's right. For, for veteran players, like, nah, you can have anything fourth round, I mean, fifth round or later, I'm trading. To get a player. To get players. To get yeah. proven commodities, yeah. You're going to see get that. value up. But I'm assuming all GMs, good GMs, know this. So they're, it, they're, everyone's trying to figure out, okay, how do I find talent how about now? package up these, <laughs> these crap picks? I'll give you, a, I'll give you eight of them. <laughs> I'm going to package these crap picks and make them, uh, you know, make them like a the practice. It's big short. We're going to package up all Pretty these much. bad loans. And That's what you're going to do. Package them together. Because you, you, the priority now becomes first, second, third. You've got to really hit on those yeah. players. That's where the real talent's going to be, and it's going to drop off pretty precipitously from that. And, again, you can mention just Texas. They've got five or six guys who fit that criteria who would have been – and because I think Jabbar Muhammad's going to be a real good player. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't want to get drafted in the fifth round. He wants to get drafted in the third round. Yep. Uh, same with Jade Barron. Big difference. And they can come here and make some money while they're here. That's the thing. You can make money now while yeah. you increase your draft stock. Back in the day, you couldn't. Right. It was an all-in risk because not only am I risking injury by coming back, but there is no compensation 
that I get by coming back. It's all risk now. No, no, I get it right. I might get half a million dollars. That's pretty cool. I'll take that. Done. I'll take I'll take that while I uh, upgrade my draft stock and while I can increase it. So I, yes. I'm with you, man. I think it, it, it's not a coincidence, and I agree. It's going to continue. That number that went from 106 in 2018 of under, underclassmen declaring for the draft to 54 this year, guys almost couldn't have, it's going to continue to drop. Because well, the NIL dollars are continuing to grow. <laughs> and the NFL is going to step in and say, hey, guys, can we put a cap on this NIL thing? Can we come in and help you guys out with this? That's right. Because we, you go. you're hurting our pipeline here. Yeah, it's a great point, E, because I think, honestly, you know who they'll go through? The broadcast networks will be the middleman. Oh, yeah. they got ties to both. Yeah. They'll be like, hey, 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 let's get the power brokers from college, power brokers from NFL. Guys, we got to get this set because right now it's affecting the product yes. on the field. Uh-huh. But college football – it's making your product better. It sure is. The quarterbacks are staying longer, quarterback movement, so you can you're you deeper. Know, rebuild your deeper. You got better players. If you're in college, why would you want this to change? Yeah. 100%. This is good for you. Now, you just got to put some guardrails well, on it. I think the schools. Guardrails on it. I think a lot of the schools who don't have the deep pockets of a Texas no, or a right. Ohio State would be all in for putting a cap on it. So you're right. We're enjoying it because we're in Texas. <laughs> Texas like, this, is this is amazing. But you're right. I guess probably 80% of college football is like, man, this is terrible. This but you're is right sports. about the TV networks will be the ones. And you've already nominated the great Nick Saban to be the uh, commissioner in, of college football. Oh. I am 100% in support of that. Because uh, you would like him to stay, because he, he's he's very abreast of all of these topics and he how to it. best do, and he's been in the NFL before. So it's like, okay, let's let's bring this together. You know, Chip Kelly with his idea. Now let's, let's insert some of these because we need them. Uh, Texas will still be good. Texas will still have advantages. Texas will be good same no time, what. Yeah. They have to come up with a way to to even out the playing field because that's what the NFL does. The NFL is built on parity, right? That's I it. mean, yep. Uh, but now you're affecting my product. They are. Now I got, uh, you know, I'm drafting and guaranteeing contracts to free agents at some level. It's like, hey, come on now. Uh, I don't want to be doing that on this end. You got all my players who are playing on your team. So good story. Good storylines as we move into April. And we'll be following the coaching carousel. When does Harbaugh make his decision? He's been interviewed with the Chargers again this week. That's big, man. Yeah, it feels like the Chargers, right? It does feel like the Chargers. It feels, feels like, like the Chargers. It feels it like does. Dan Quinn to Seattle to me. But but Mike Vrabel is also interviewed there a couple times. Oh, who would you take, Vrabel or But Quinn? you just said it, though. I mean, John Schneider is the general manager in Seattle, and he's a really good one. He's a great one. And he had a press conference in the wake of the Pete Carroll dismissal saying, look, for the first time I have full control over this, and i got to hit this coach. He might be waiting on Baltimore's coach. I would. He might be if, doing exactly what you're saying. Like, i got to play Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay twice a year. Now i got Jonathan Gannon down there in, uh, in Arizona. i got to find somebody who can deal with these offenses. Uh, you know, I can hire a really good offensive coordinator to, to, to develop my offense. we got to be better on defense because we're going to play some of the best offenses in the, in the league every year twice. Mm-hmm. I need one. And this guy, Mike McDonald, in Baltimore is really good. He's the real deal, man. The real deal. He really – I mean, what he has done to the best offenses – I mean, he held Mike McDaniel's offense for the Miami Dolphins and Shanahan's offense with the 49ers under 20 points. Hell, Slowick ain't scored a touchdown against him with that offense with the Texans. That's, yeah. a, that's a damn good offense with the Texans. And uh, when he went up against uh, Ben Johnson in Detroit, held them without a touchdown too, if I'm not Six mistaken. points. I don't even know how you do that. So, yeah, he's on – I would now, say right – It's a personnel thing too. But, yes, his scheme has been – and it's, it's very similar scene to what Michigan ran to win a national championship and yeah, shut everybody there, he down. He went there and fixed it. He <laughs> yeah. went there and fixed Michigan's defense. Yeah, and, yeah, that's true. Because yeah, yeah. he came back and then they sent the other linebacker coach down there from the Ravens. Yeah, the Harbaugh's traded the defense. Yeah, they, <laughs> they sent the other one down there. And they both play it. some pretty wicked defense. Yeah, so yeah. I, that, if I'm looking at – if I but basically the main reason I'm getting Dan Quinn, if I'm John Schneider, is because his defensive scheme matches up well with the McShanahan coaching franchises. I might look at Mike McDonald over him. Now, also, you got to consider 
chemistry with, you know, working relationship. He has that already with Schneider. He's got a pass with him. Um, you like leadership, lead, being a leader of men. That matters. Dan Quinn has been proven to be a leader of men. Uh, guys in the locker room love him. He's in, they're, they're inspired by him. So those are all things to consider. But if I'm looking at scheme as my main factor in matching up with the Shanahan offenses, I'm like, I'm like McDonald. I would also Dan say Quinn. I, I, and, you know, the argument could be made if you're Seattle, then hire Jim Harbaugh. And he'll bring the guy from Michigan with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. He could bring that dude with Michigan. Now, dude, Michigan has not matched up against those McShanahan offenses. You're right about he that. He matched up against some college right offenses, did pretty good. But I want the guy who's already done it. No, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, good stuff right there all over the NFL. Good text coming in. This says it'll be better for the NFL. Should be less busts. Oh, that's um, a good point. That's a good point, yeah. That's, that's fair. Uh, this eventually will make it better fifth through seventh round. You're going to get more screwed and more physical readiness out of a couple years. Well, that is an argument, right? As these guys come back and get ready, get get more prepared. The, the the draft could deepen again, right? Because you got you got more players that are coming that are draft draft eligible. Because I mean, I think of a guy like Bo Nix, who a couple of years ago you wouldn't even considered as a draftable quarterback, That's true. or at least in maybe a late round. Now they're talking about him in the first round because yeah. he's developed and he's gotten better and he's gotten reps. That's fair. Uh, Michael Penix is Penix is another example. So I mean, if you tra- if you translate that across positions. You know, more guys are getting more reps. They're playing more years. They're getting better coaching. And so now they're more draftable uh, than they were a few years ago. But you're right. They're older, but you're still taking the young guys that are the top prospects at the top of the draft. You just have a deeper group of players who are more prepared to play in the that's, national that's football. That's a good point. And theoretically, it could lower the bust rate. That's a good point because – you have better evaluations, too, because you got more sample size to evaluate. Yeah. So you could be like, nah, I've seen some negatives. I don't like that guy. So you could have a better, more accurate evaluations and players who get more reps so they improve. It's a good well, point about the bus I like it that. It is, too. And I would say yeah. that, uh, that that would be the, the Quinn Ewers thing, right? Quinn Ewers yes. told, man, we got to see more. Yeah, that guy had came out early. He, he might be considered a bust in the league. Yeah, we got, we got to yeah. see more. Yeah. And that, so, so translate today's football for, for five years ago. To where Quinn Ewers would have probably been the Mitch Trubisky's of the world. Where Garrett, they, we'll say, we'll say well, now, they, yeah, now right they're like, well, we're going to take a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix ahead of a Quinn Ewers because yeah. you know we, we we got enough info to tell us he's good. We don't know about this yeah, kid. Blaine Gabbert said back in the day they have oh. one good season and he just, he just looks. Yes, he looks the party like first round pick. First, I'm packing, Mitch packing Trubisky, number one overall. Mitch Trubisky made 13 <laughs> starts at North Carolina. 13. Yeah. I won't say Blaine Gabbert had more than that, but not much more. Not much more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we got to – and, of course, the quarterbacks can stay in and make some Didn't money. did Zach Wilson basically do that? Was he kind of a one-year one one year guy? One yeah, because he was hurt his junior year. Yeah. Actually, he was hurt his senior year. He was really good as a junior. Yeah. They got hurt as a senior, so he was inexperienced. 100%. Right. 100%. And now you're going to have guys that are coming in there with 40, 50 starts. In college football. You, you know, know exactly I mean? who they are. Yeah. You know exactly who they are. All right, we'll come back. Good stuff on the NFL. Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. The Longhorns have added their eighth transfer portal player through the process. Of course, they've lost 13 to the portal. They've now added an eighth, four on offense, four on defense. Rod will tell you about them coming up. Also, before the end of the hour, a little what's popping to get you into your Tuesday afternoon and evening. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain coming up. We're talking NFL draft, coaching carousels, and all things in between. Cowboys disappointed again. Texans fans excited. Well, what's going on down in Houston? We're talking about Buffalo, too, uh, in that conversation. But uh, NFL draft will be interesting coming up in 20 and 24. Uh, it's to be April. And that senior bowl, by the way, as we're talking about with Jim Nagy, they're having a hard time rounding out their roster because so many guys who had been invited, they're now not going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. They're going to come back and play. Uh, that game is 
between the Super Bowl or the, this this Sunday and the following Sunday, so it'll be the bye week of the Super Bowl. So February third, I believe, is that game. Uh, so before we go behind the BOC, Rod, can I play this for you? We played earlier Porter Mosier. He's the uh, head coach of Oklahoma. He's got the Sooners at number fifteen in the country, fifteen and three overall. They've won two in a row in the Big Twelve, and they've got Texas at, at home. And as we said earlier, Texas lost two home games. Right? They lost to Central Florida. They lost to uh, the uh, Central Florida and Texas Tech. They got to steal some road games. I mean, you, if you're going to lose home games in the Big Twelve, you got to find some some steals because right now the Longhorns are outside the top twenty-five, and by most accounts, are still outside of the the tournament at this point. Now there's still six weeks to play, and you can play your way back into this conversation. But winning tough road games like this, this would be a quad one win. Uh, and but Oklahoma's really good. But I wanted you to play Porter Mosier because he was asked yesterday on his Zoom. We played him earlier talking about the horns down situation. He said he didn't really want to get into it, but then mm-hmm. did. I thought he had some good comments on it. But um, all, but he was asked about Max Acemas, right? Uh, earlier in the press conference, talked about Dylan DeSue being one of the toughest defensive matchups in the Big 12 and really in the country when you're dealing with a three-level player like Dylan. But Max Acemas, who came from the state of Oklahoma, right? He's from Dallas originally, but, but uh, four years at Oral Roberts, which is there in, in Tulsa. And uh, here is what uh, – Porter Mosier had to say about Max Acemas. These two teams play tonight, 6 o'clock from Norman, Oklahoma. Here's Porter. I knew I was going to get asked this sometime today. It's my no, last question. No, that's the other one. I want the one on Max Acemas, which is in there as well. That's him talking about the horns down, which he knew he was going to get at some point. Yeah, what's coming? Tie that for me, Ty. See, I don't care what level. If you don't know how to put that ball in the hole and see it go in the hole. Tremendous confidence. Watch him at the end of games. You know, you can go back to Louisville, um, to even West Virginia. They lost that, but he had like 12 in like two and a half minutes. Um, obviously, at, at uh, Cincinnati, we just saw that one that he did. Um, and then Tyrese had the one at last night. So they got a lot of threats. But Max has just got so much confidence, plays with a great pace. Um, he can get his shots off at, at any level. He's, he's done it and uh, seamless, um, you know, moving to the Big 12. He's, he's one of our premier guards in our league. All right, there you go. Max Aceman needs to be big tonight. And that's if you're a Longhorn fan and you're, you're you know, Rodney Terry, you're hopeful. Can you get that intensity that you played with at home at the Moody Center, especially in that second half? Because, look, just quite honestly, Rod, if you play defense like they did in the second half against Baylor and you can run your offense through Aceman, DeSue, who's getting more and more, you know, back, back acclimated, mm-hmm. and Tyrese Hunter can play anywhere close to what he did on Saturday, you're going to be hard to beat. There aren't many teams that have that many, that three really high-end offensive players like that. But you got to play defense. Got to play D. And you can't turn the ball over. I thought the biggest stat from the Baylor game was seven turnovers. If they keep it under ten turnovers, play with more intensity on defense, and run their offense through the two-man game of Acemas and DeSue, and then that kicks over to, to Tyrese Hunter, and you give the a little bit more playing time to uh, Kendall Weaver, who was such a, a gritty guy on Saturday, this team can win some games. Uh, but, you know, we could also see them revert to what we've seen previously, which is not playing good defense, t- too many turnovers. Sloppy with the basketball, uh, and if that happens, they won't win these games. Yeah, they they got plenty of opportunity though. I mean, they their their fate, their tournament fate, and postseason fate will uh, will rely largely, or at least it will depend largely on whether they can fix their issues on the fly. Because you don't have time, you don't have a, you know, there's no time for you to to take a rest or to catch your breath in the Big 12. I mean, it is just a brutal stretch. Well, this one's in Norman against number 15. Saturday they play in Provo against number 18, BYU. Yeah, that's no time. Coming back home for a ranked team. I mean, it's just they're all ranked. And so, yes, I mean, you got to play to that level. That's really what your goal is. I will say again, though, 
if you go to Rodney Terry's first year, which is this year, his first full year, and Chris Beard's first year when he rebuilt the roster, both teams were 13-5 and five at this point, right through 18 games. Both teams 13-5. and five. Both teams had one, quad, had one quad one win at the time, and they both came in, in late January like the Longhorns just got their first. And that team ended up with 22 wins and made the tournament. It's interesting. So let's see if Rodney Terry and this staff, this team, as they get more and more comfortable playing together and, and in, in infusing Dylan DeSue into the situation – and riding him a little bit. He can be one of the best bigs in the country, Rod, when he gets going, shooting the threes, taking it down low, low post moves. Remember how he finished the year before he got hurt? He was yeah. unbelievable. You start getting that guy with the guards that they have, and, and if they can play you know, more consistent defense, they're going to be a tough out. But, you know, they got to bring that night in, night out, and that starts tonight, 6 o'clock. Yeah, night in, night out. That's what I wonder if they can do. And that's what you. That's what, that's what we came. Because if you go back to that Chris Beard team, they were frustrating because they were really good on defense, but they were so bad on offense. Oh, they go to these cold stretches. Oh, they go ten so minutes. Just, ice cold oh, stretches. Ice cold. Yeah, they just could not buy a bucket. I remember that. This that's team should. This team's the opposite, though. I think they they'll 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 should be score, able to score, especially with Desu back and getting more and more acclimated. Kelvin, Caden, Shedrick. But they need to play defense and not turn the ball over. They do that, they'll have a chance. All right, let's uh, go behind the burn orange curtain. There's some Texas basketball. What about some Texas football with a big piece of breaking news coming in there during the show this morning? And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, the Longhorns get a commitment from a defensive lineman transferring from Arizona I uh, hope I get his name right because I've screwed it up several times. Tiawali Savea. Tiawali Savea. Tiawali Savea. Tiawali. Tiawali. The way I heard him say it because I looked it up and he had he was pronouncing it for people. It's almost like two first names. It's like, it's like Tia, a hyphen would be in there. Tiawali. 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 Tiawali Savea. Well, he transferred uh, to the University of Texas uh, following Johnny Nansen from Arizona. Um, remember, he also uh, initially was uh, recruited by Johnny Nansen. Um, he came uh, over from Arizona this month. He's got, he's got four starts under his belt, so he wasn't a guy that started a lot of games for them. But like Texas, they rotated a lot of players uh, in their defensive front, so he'll be part of the rotation of defensive linemen. And then with Texas bringing back Alfred Collins in that interior defensive front now, um, going to be bringing back uh, Jare Bledsoe. Vernon Broughton's another guy coming back from. Sadir Mitchell will be another uh, player in the interior defensive line expected to uh, step up for the Longhorns without Byron Murphy, without Tavondre Sweat. Remember, they're losing. Uh, Trill Carter is going to transfer again, uh, losing Chris Ross. They're going to lose four guys off the defensive line, but two starters and arguably the best D-tackle duo in the country. Uh, and it also looks like you know the Longhorns will be – I don't know if they were done at defensive tackle potentially. This is their uh, first acquisition uh, for the defensive tackle position, but there's a lot of talk that even after they hire a defensive line coach, that after the spring – There'll be another transfer portal window that opens, and they could be looking to acquire another defensive lineman in that other transfer portal window. They're just looking for proven commodities, and that's definitely what uh, Savea gives them, a proven commodity uh, at the interior defensive line. And, of course, Johnny Nansen knows all about him. He knows how he plays. He knows, you know, how uh, he's best utilized, how he's best weaponized, um, you know, in terms of the rotation, where he fits in best. So this is a big pickup uh, for the Longhorns. 
And uh, once again, Jody Nansen, he's from the Poly Pacific Island community, he himself being a part of that community, and uh, so is Savea. So already huge dividends uh, being uh, given, been paid huge dividends, that acquisition of Jody Nansen as the co-defensive coordinator for Texas. Yeah, they need some beef up front. And then to, as we said, it's four offensive and four defensive portal uh, additions, which are all going to make an immediate impact, it feels like, because uh, we know Makuba and Trey Moore – um, you know, immediate guys who can fill needed needed holes in the secondary and at uh, and a pass rusher. This is a big one because of the depth issues behind Alfred Collins and you know Sadir Mitchell. This guy's played a lot of football, at, and he's six four and three oh five. And then offensively, we know. I mean, you're replacing eighty percent of your catches, and they've got three wide receivers and a tight end. Yeah, and if you look at just the career starts of these players, like I said. Uh, you know, Savea has only four starts uh, in his career. Okay. Uh, so he doesn't have a lot of starts, but he, he, they rotate. So, yeah. I mean, same thing. I, you know, I don't know how many starts Alfred Collins would have or Vernon Brodden, but those guys had a lot of snaps because they were rotation. And you know, most schools around the country, unless you're a front-line guy, they're going to be rotating um, those interior defensive linemen. So that's ideally what you want. Texas wants to get back to two. Remember, for the last two years, Texas have been rotating five to six interior defensive linemen. Two years ago, it was Colburn, Ojimo, Byron Murphy, Sweat, and Alfred Collins. <laughs> and now, last year, it was Murphy, Sweat, Alfred Collins, Vernon Bryden, Trill Carter. Um, in this season, they're looking for their rotation again. All you got is Bryden and Sweat that are uh, your proven commodities coming back. Now you're adding Savea. Everybody's hoping Sadir Mitchell takes another step so you can have a healthier rotation. But he's only got, only got four starts. Uh, he and Amari Nablack have four starts. Kendrick Blackshear has zero starts, uh, that linebacker. So those are the only ones that weren't really necessarily proven commodities um, from a starts perspective. They don't have a ton of starts, but the rest of these guys coming in, they are veterans, uh, college football vets, if you will. Matthew Golden, wide receiver from U of H, 17 starts. Andrew McCuba, defensive back out of Clemson, 31 starts. Trey Moore, edge rusher out of UTSA, 26 college football starts. Isaiah Bond, 15 starts for Alabama. Uh, Silas Bowden, 15 starts for Oregon State. That's a lot of college football, guys. You're talking about a season uh, or two-plus seasons worth of college football for guys like McCuba, uh, guys like Trey Moore. But all these guys, man, they have been – and veterans, they've been proven commodities in starting roles, having to play in big-time games on big stages and clutch moments. That's what Sark wants because that's what Texas is going to have this year. They're going to be in big – they're going to play against Georgia. It's going to be the biggest game potentially of the season. Playing Michigan early on the season, it's going to be a huge game. Um, you know, obviously Texas-Oklahoma is always big. First year in the SEC, so you don't want these unproven commodities. They're guys with a lot of upside, a lot of talent, but you don't want these young, unproven players uh, on the on a big stage in a new system. You don't want them to be experiencing growing pains at the wrong time. And the, there's, there's less likelihood of these guys experiencing any type of growing pains at the wrong time because they've seen so much college football. Yeah, and this is, these are the guys we were just talking about in the draft process, a number of those guys, right? Barrett, yeah. Makuba, and Trey Moore. They, they'd be late-round draft picks. Uh, it's third day per draft pick. Some of them, depending on their workouts and senior bowl, may improve on that, but they're coming back to play at Texas. So that's, that's why people are really high on Texas, and rightfully so, right? The holes that were created by, you know, 11 or 12 Longhorns off to the NFL and a lot of really good players have been, you know, filled uh, through, through eight portal editions. And, um, you know, what you hope is the emergence of some young guys who are already on the roster and another high school class. So uh, Longhorns, I think, will be pretty highly rated when the, when the preseason comes no, out and no the expectations doubt. will be very high. Um, if you're two behind Georgia, 
and you're going to play Georgia in October, <laughs> that would say the expectations are pretty high. Hey, by the way, Rod, it just came out that – actually, we'll do this from what's popping, but the TV ratings are out for Sunday's CBS game with the Chiefs and Bills. Oh, I, oh, I bet they were just absurd. They, I bet those, the ratings were just absurd because the game was good too. Game was great. Game was good. Game went back and forth. Drama, Patrick Mahomes, Taylor Swift in the stands, Travis Kelsey blowing uh, kisses and – you know, uh, throwing up hearts to his, his boo thing. Oh, man. I bet those things. I bet that those ratings were monstrous. Monstrous. Uh, okay, so uh, the other uh, little nugget that I wanted to get to is this little piece of audio. Uh, this is a shot. Hey, hey, can you pull this up for me, Ty? It's the one that I texted to you. So the players in this audio, if I'm not mistaken, are Kobe Black okay. and Colin Simmons. Okay. This is the uh, five-star corner from Waco and the five-star pass rusher from Duncanville. Yes. And they are just, just having a TikTok video. So just asking each other questions. One of the questions they ask here, and then the question might be in the audio, um, what NFL player do you think you can get the best of? Like, what NFL player do you think you can just beat straight up? Okay. I don't even like the question. But okay. here is the response. Who in the NFL do you think you can play today and beat them one-on-one? Bro, you want me to be real? Yeah. Trey Williams. Hey, Jim. Jim. Hey. Hey. All right. All right. Maybe I'm a little, maybe I'm a little over the top right now. Let me be realistic. I definitely do in Dallas Cowboys O-line. I'll be for sure. <laughs> I feel like hey, he's man. still tough, Confidence bro. Confidence is a good thing. He is still tough, but like he's not. Said Devontae Adams too. <laughs> Devontae Adams too. Wow. Okay. Devontae, I like. Uh, I confidence. Did he say Trent Williams, who's the best left tackle in football? He everybody laughed at him. Even his, his old teammates are like, ah, <laughs> you a five star man. You still ain't got no shot and be the best left tackle you said in you the game. Guard Jordan, the best left tackle on the planet, and yeah. you think you got him? Uh, no. So yeah, that was. Hey, it, listen, young buck, I like the confidence. They disrespect the whole Cowboys O line too. Man, can't no, no. The Cowboys got some Hall of Famers on the O line, so I doubt you do that to them either. But I like the confidence. And Kobe, Kobe Black saying DeAndre Hopkins. I know the reason he's saying it because DeAndre Hopkins doesn't run routes, and he looks like you can cover him because he never creates separation against the DBs. But your problem, Kobe Black, is when that fifty-fifty ball when it comes a jump ball against DeAndre Hopkins, and he's got those huge mitts. Something tells me that he might moss you, man. That's the problem. He, he doesn't necessarily separate from anybody. You know that. You've been watching for a long time. The problem comes when he starts mousing you. One-handed. One-handed <laughs> over your head. And you're like, what the hell? That's what he's going to do to Kobe Black. Because I like these young bucks. They got a lot of confidence. A lot of confidence. I like the go. confidence. Okay, then. You know, sometimes you got to be humble, though, too. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. They shouldn't even ask that question. Whoever asked that question, that's a bad question to ask. These young bucks. Should, they shouldn't be asking that because that might get back to the NFL guys. You don't want that. You don't want that. All right, coming back, we'll hit some what's popping, including CBS has announced how many people – they say watch that game, Chiefs-Bills the other night. Uh, I watched it. You watched it. Ty did not, though. Because Ty doesn't like Taylor Swift. We're coming back. Hook it up with Ian Rodby. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that like Stockton. Just joshin'. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them All right, what is poppin'? Certainly fans' interest in the NFL, according to CBS. More than 50 million people tuned in to watch the Bills play the Chiefs. Wow. 
Wow. More than 50 million people. Yep, I'm not surprised, man. <laughs> it just continues to. You got to... the biggest star at the quarterback position in Patrick Mahomes, and you got the Swift effect, and yeah. Well, this comes on the heels of the Saturday night game uh, with the Niners and the Packers becoming the largest Saturday night telecast in on NBC since the Olympics when Nancy Kerrigan went head-to-head with Tanya Harding, which, I mean, you talk about bringing in casual fans and the, the female viewership, that's what drives ratings up through the Riz of the Olympics. Yeah. This is a football game. It's a football game. Yeah, well, that's pretty interesting. And then, of course, the, the gangbuster ratings for the, the – the, Divisional game on ABC, which and ESPN, which was the Cow, which the uh, Texans against the Ravens, with Troy Aikman and uh, Joe Buck. That was the lo- that was the the most viewed NFL game ever on ESPN, ever on I, ESPN. <laughs> yeah, I mean the NFL, they, they are so far and away the number one TV product in America is not even close. And I'm with you. I'm wondering when there's going to be. And even remember, Mark Cuban talked about this probably like. Five, six years ago. Maybe we talked about them being a, a pig uh, waiting to be slaughtered at one point because they're just getting too fat. Doesn't feel like uh, it. It doesn't feel like it. And I thought maybe the, maybe the bubble will burst on the NFL. I mean, how much bigger can it get? Well, that was that, a, that centered around concussions a lot, too. Yeah, it did. But the, the NFL. The players. But the NFL's changed the rules, basically. And they've tried their best to uh, silence that conversation, distract us from it. It still exists, uh, the danger of the game. But people don't talk about it as much. And it's not affected the ratings. The NFL has gone all out to try their best to convince moms because that's their that's this campaign is all about to convince moms to help their to make to let their sons play football and that's what this is all about because they believe that at one point moms gonna stop letting their kids play football and then that would trickle up that would have a devastating effect on football all throughout this country and it still may be happening but the nfl has found that their female viewership is actually going up and rising and they're hoping that also means that those females who are women who are mothers are going to be more open to letting their sons play the game. But as we know from former players, not all, not necessarily the case. Cause there are plenty of former players like you know, Troy Aikman and guys in the NFL who said, no, my, my kids ain't playing football. They don't play, find something else to play. They'll play baseball or golf. Um, well, so it's interesting. Well, let's also not uh... – underestimate the impact of gambling uh, because gambling is becoming legal in more yes, and more sir. states. It and, does. You know, I'm going to tell you about underdog fantasy coming up. I'm like, those things bring interest to the game. I yes, mean, you, you put a little scratch on a game, you're going to watch that game. March Madness. March Madness. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't watch college basketball all year and then bet on March Madness and the ratings go through the roof. Raising my hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just part of it. And so it's, it, it's the culmination. But, I mean, when these ratings – they're not – they're just getting – they're stretching the ratings. I mean, it's crazy. Yep, it is. These numbers are huge, 50 million-plus for a playoff game. I mean, this, that was reserved for the Super Bowl kind of thing. When exactly. You're getting, well, they're going to – the Super Bowl might do over, you know, way over 100 million this year when that comes around. But uh, these are big. These are big for sure. So, uh, uh, well, that is popping. Also, Texas and Oklahoma, that's always popping, Ron, when it's the, uh, the Texas OU rivalry. Yes, sir. That game's 6 o'clock tonight in college, college basketball. That'll be fun. Uh, you know, looking for, for good calls. The NBA was popping last night, Rod. We had a 70-point game. We had a 62-point game and a loss. Kevin Durant went off last night. Game so, winner, yeah. So I think you'll get some good hoop tonight. Texas OU is at 6 o'clock. You also have Duke and Louisville. I don't know if that's going to be a good game. Probably not. I don't see our – oh, uh, how about this? Number four, Houston, 16-2 and two at BYU. That game is 8 o'clock tonight. So that is the Longhorns' next, I think, two opponents. Wow. I believe that's right. They play, I know they play BYU on Saturday, Texas. They go to BYU after playing at Oklahoma tonight. Um, yeah, you know, so the next two opponents you'll play. No, that's not true. Let me see where Texas is going after they play BYU. But, yeah, Houston, 
plays at BYU tonight. So get a look at that. You'll get your next opponent, and then Texas will play Houston. Yeah, Texas' next two opponents are BYU, then home to Houston so on the 29th. Got some homework then. Yeah. Check so it study out. it up. That game follows Texas OU. That'll be popping tonight, Rob. Popping. That's right. I and, like that. Uh, by the way, what's popping? I mentioned you need to start watching when they when it comes out enough True Detective season four, Rod. And this is popping because I just read an interview. Somebody sent it to me that the director has now said that yes, there will be ties between season four and season one. And Ooh. last night, while watching episode two, there was a mention of someone named Travis Cole. Hey, Travis Cole. And if you remember back in season one, Matthew McConaughey's name was Rust Cole. It was Rust Cole? And he right. talked about growing up in Alaska. Wow. Okay. Oh, you mean we might, are we going to have a cameo in this thing? I don't think so. Ooh. I just think, and the director did say back in November that there will be little Easter eggs that you'll find that will tie the two, season one and season four, together. That was the best season True Detective ever had, season this, one. This season features is popping with, uh, gosh, what's her name? Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, That's Silence great. of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. Okay. I'll check it out. All right. Hey, everybody, have a great Tuesday. we got Wednesday coming, 6 a.m. Watch right. Texas Hoops tonight. We'll be talking about it tomorrow, no doubt about it. Plus, all the coaching carousel and NFL news you can find, and the Longhorns. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.